Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Yo, what it is, camp. How you doing tonight? Awesome. Hey, I'm super excited to be here um, with you again this evening. Um, I think of all of the messages that we have together, I think this is one of my favorites because of what it talks about, because of what it means, because of what it tells us. It's going to be awesome. The last couple of nights, we've been in Hebrews chapter 10, and we have been talking about some really heavy stuff. Last night, we really talked about the difference between freely living and living in freedom. Or for all of us here that like to speak normal English, doing whatever you want versus living under true freedom that's only found in Christ. Living under the law, which is what we all are doing as soon as we're born, living under that, or living in this newness of life that we can only receive and achieve and experience through the blood that was shed by Jesus on the cross. We, we, we looked at the, at the dichotomy of these two things going back and forth, the difference of which in each in all of the mess that is caused by living free, freely and all of the joy and peace and tranquility that can be experienced through living in freedom. Tonight, we're really going to drive home the shackles that we wear when we're living freely. The, 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 the chains that we have on our ankles when we're doing whatever it is that we want. When I think about living in shackles and, and, and things like that, that sounds like a really old-timey piratey thing, but mostly what comes to mind for me is a work of cinematic, just genius. Came out in 1993, which is the year I was born, so it holds some special significance to me. This is by far the best movie that's ever been created and put on film. Are you guys ready for me to tell you what it is? The Muppets Christmas Carol. There we go. Okay. I want to tell you guys a secret. All right. You want to watch the one that doesn't have when love is gone deleted out of it. Okay. So what you need to do is you need to go find a VHS copy and then watch it because there's this song in the middle of the movie that for some reason the CEO of Disney deleted and I'll never forgive him for it because the rest of the movie doesn't make sense without it. But in that movie, at the beginning of the movie, you guys know the story of A Christmas Carol. There are two dudes, right, Marley and Marley, and they come back and they visit their former partner, Ebenezer Scrooge, and they're wearing chains around their ankles, and they say that those chains were put there because of their misdeeds during their life, and they go on to describe all these horrible things they did, like evict the orphanage on Christmas morning and make all those kids go out into the snow, and, and evicting, like, or like repossessing books or something like that from nuns. I don't remember what it was, but they were just horrible people. And you see Ebenezer Scrooge in the beginning of this wonderful work of cinematic art, doing the same things, and he's visited by these guys, and he's wearing these shackles, and, and, and they do this really dumb song, and it's, but it's awesome because it's the Muppets, but at the end of the day, I think that that's a really good visual for us because being shackled not only means being tied to something, but it also means that your daily walk is more difficult. 
Being shackled, does, not only does it mean that, you, that you're attached to something, but it also means that as you move forward, every step and every move forward that you make is more difficult. It's harder. In fact, some of you athletes in here probably know what I'm talking about because your coach has tied weights around your ankles to make you run faster. Or if you're like super into it, your coach will be like, come here, I got this off of a drag car and they'll attach a parachute to your back and make you run 100 meter wind sprints. Like, yes, yeah, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Guys, as you move through life, the difference between being shackled and unshackled, living in freedom in Jesus Christ is literally the difference between running that 100 meter dash with the parachute versus without. And tonight, we're going to talk about how humanity is cursed from birth to bear these shackles, to bear these ankle weights, and we're going to discuss just how stuck in them we really are and the only and the best solution for us to break free. Tonight, we, using the Word of God, are going to discuss what it's like to be free from those shackles and how we can get the key. You guys ready? Nice. This is going to be incredible, okay? Let's go to our Lord in prayer. God above, Lord above all creation, God of the universe, Savior of my soul, of our souls, God, I, I, I pray that you would create a spirit of, of learning in this room this evening. God, I pray that you would take every thought captive God, give us an unusual focus on your word this evening. God, I pray that you would allow me to use words that would make sense and, and mean something. God, I pray that you would take control of this entire event. God, empty me of myself. God, I pray that your will be done here this evening. God, we trust in you and we trust in the work of your Holy Spirit working on hearts this evening. God, we love you. We need you. In your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. So, I want to start with a truth that might be difficult for some of us to comprehend or even accept, but it's true, it's brutally true, and that first truth is this, all of humanity is bound by sin. All of humanity is bound by sin. And that's backed up in Scripture. If you go to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says this, it says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Death spread to all men because all sinned. You see, we talked about this already. Adam and Eve sinned. God said, don't touch that fruit they did it anyway, and because of that, everything is cursed. The world was cursed. Our relationships with each other were cursed from the get-go, right? Like, there are people that you go to school with that you cannot stand. Sometimes you cannot stand your parents. Sometimes you cannot stand your grandparents. Sometimes your parents can't stand each other, and the list goes on. That not being able to stand one another is because of sin, it's because ultimately, if you back it all the way up to the beginning of the relationship, somebody did something that the other person didn't like. They might not be able to remember what it is at this point, but it all goes back to that. 
Our relationship with God was broken. We used to be able to walk with God in the cool of the day in the garden, and now we are not able to access him in the same way because God cannot be around sin because God is holy, just like you cannot mix oil and water together. Holiness and unholiness are two completely separate things that cannot be mixed. As soon as you take something holy and you apply it to something that is unholy, they are now both unholy. Just like if you take a bottle of water on a hot day with ice that is going to be so refreshing for you to drink, and you put just a little drop of toilet water in that bottle, you're not going to drink it because it is no longer drinkable. Holiness and unholiness cannot exist in the same room. Therefore, we cannot communicate with God the way that we used to. And ultimately, the world was cursed. Like, you see everything falling apart right now? That's because of sin. And here's the thing. We are not victims of this sin. A lot of times, Christians will be going through life, and they'll kind of think like, man, like, I wish, I wish Adam and Eve didn't sin and didn't mess this whole thing up. The Part of the problem is, is if we go back to Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says that so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Like we made that choice. We're not victims of what Adam and Eve did. We are co-participants because all men or all of humanity took place in that sin or took participation in that sin. Like we've all done something stupid before. If you've done something stupid before, raise your hand. Where's some honesty? Love that, right? I get two hands because I've been alive longer and I've done stupid things. All right, you can sit. Don't hurt yourself. All right, so, so like we've all done something dumb and by dumb I mean sinful. Like let's, let's get down to the brass tacks. We've all done something that is morally wrong. We've all done something that is unconscious or we've all done something that we're ashamed of. I would venture a guess that if we were to grab, in some futuristic timeline, if we were to grab a computer cable and plug it into the back of our heads and put it up on the screen, none of us would agree to that because none of us want the rest of us to know what our past looks like because it is shameful. We have, I have things covered by the blood of Jesus, thank God, but we all have stuff. So we've all participated in this sin. We're not victims of it. We are co-conspirators. We've all done it. We are free moral agents that choose sin. And if you ever want proof of that, look at a kid because they do. I mean, you guys have seen probably me and my wife have to parent my four-year-old. Like, he was wiling today. Like, he just, like, went off like a frog in a sock because he couldn't play the game that he wanted to. Like, we all choose. And so we know now that all of humanity is bound by sin. We know now that Adam and Eve sinned. We now know that not only has Adam and Eve sinned and cursed the world, but we have a choice to sin or to not sin. And from our very, very, very earliest years, we have chosen sin. And a result of that is death. You see, death is a result of sin. You see, people think that death 
is a natural process. People think that death is just a part of life. But you see, the fact of the matter is, is that God originally did not design us to have to experience death. In fact, there are quite a few scientists who have done the research on the way that our bodies work, and they can't quite figure out why it all starts to fall apart at 70, 80, 90 years old. Our bodies process and have processes that are able to continue on for eternity, but they don't. And the reason for that is illness and sickness, and illness and sickness came into the world because of sin. Death is not a natural process. Death is a result of sin. And death here means two things. It means both spiritual death, hell, and physical death, no longer breathing casket burial. It means two things. There's this great passage in Genesis 3, verse 19. It's the end of verse 19, and it explains how we got here. You see, Adam and Eve um, sinned, and then God came to them in the garden. They hid from God, and God called them out of hiding because he needed to have a conversation with them. And ultimately, he was telling them what the consequence of their sin was going to be. And he said this. He said, until you return to the ground, right? For out of it you were taken, for you are dust. And to dust you shall return. Or in other words, you guys are going to have to suffer through life. For men, he said that we were going to have to work a whole lot harder than he originally intended, right? We were going to have to get food from the ground, from the sweat of our brow, right? And for ladies, he said, hey, the childbirth process is going to be miserable for you, Ugh. right? And you're always going to want to be over the, the, your husband. Like men and women were both cursed in different ways. And then he said, you're going to have to live there, people, until you die. It was a part of the curse. We are all cursed because of sin. You must return to dust because of sin. Right? So, we, so death, which isn't something that's fun to talk about, we know that death is a curse. Death has cursed mankind. But you know what else? Death rules us too. Death is in charge of us as well. Death ruled man because of sin. Death ruled man because of sin. So back in Romans 5, let's keep reading because um, it'll continue on with this idea. Verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Yet death reigned, or death was in charge, or death ruled over, or death was the boss, from Adam to Moses. So from the first man all the way up until Moses who led Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. From Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who is to come. So in other words, even people who sinned and did things that they were expressly told to not do. Because remember, Adam was told not to do that, right? You guys can have the fruit of any tree in the garden except for the tree of the fruit of good and evil. Adam was expressly told not to do something. Has your parent ever expressly told you not to do something? Like, they're like, come here, buddy. Look me in the back of my eyes. You may not fill in the blank. I remember one time my dad did that, man. He looked at me in the back of my eyes and he said, you may not take apart my laptop. Long story, we'll get it to it later, right? And you know what? 
he left and I was home and there was a screwdriver and there was a laptop and there was no attending to Tim at that moment. And I just said to smell with it. And I grabbed that laptop and that screwdriver and I went to town. Man, I had that ram out of that thing in 30 seconds. My dad walked in the door and he saw me there on the ground with a laptop surrounded by laptop parts and a screwdriver. And he looked at me and I looked at him. And before he could even say anything, I was like, oh my goodness, dad, I'm so sorry. And I started like putting it back together as quick as I could. I knew exactly what I had done was wrong. This passage is saying even people who weren't expressly told, they were still sinning. They were still doing things that were against their inner conscience. Nobody has to tell us that things are wrong for when we do them for us to feel bad about them. If you guys all think really hard internally, you can remember a moment where you wronged someone or you did something wrong and you immediately knew, even though no one necessarily told you that that, that wasn't the right thing to do. You know, we all have an inner conscience. We all have an inner compass that points us in a direction. And we all remember a time we messed up and we knew we had messed up and before someone even said anything. And so this passage is saying everybody sinned. Even people that didn't sin like Adam and they did something they were expressly told not to do, but just people who messed up. But then 15 offers hope. So 14 is depressing. And 15, verse 15, offers hope. It says, but, so even though everyone's a mess, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more had the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Guys, even though we're all cursed because one man messed up, one man then came into the world to undo the mess up of the man who did it originally. One guy came to fix it. One man, Jesus Christ, fully man, fully God, came to fix what one man had destroyed. One man came to fix what one man had destroyed. You see, the ruler of death broke everything. The ruler of death was given a seat at the table because of our sin. The ruler of death, Satan, sin itself, was allowed to abound and to be the ruler of this world because of one man's mess up and because every human that came after Adam and Eve continued in that tradition of sinning and driving themselves further away from God. I mean, if you look at the Bible, the, the whole book of Genesis is a disaster of people just messing up. And, I mean, heck, Adam and Eve's first two children, one of them killed the other. The first murder recorded in human history is brother on brother. It's heartbreaking, but it's reality. And although death did that, what Jesus did was so much greater than that. You see, guys, if you only hear one thing out of me tonight, if you only download one thing that I'm saying tonight, I want you to download this. 
Adam's work in the garden enslaved us to death. Adam's work in the garden enslaved us to death, but Jesus' work on the cross has left us redeemed. Let's go back to verse 15 again because it's really crucial that you guys get us. Adam's work in the garden left us enslaved to death, but Jesus' work on the cross left us redeemed. Verse 15, it says, but, but, but the free gift, the free gift, the thing that you don't have to work for, the thing that you get for free, the thing that is presented to you and is on the shelf for you to be able to take without any work or any effort on your own, the free gift... The free gift is not like the trespass. Many have died because of man's trespass. Much more have the grace of God and the free gift. The free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded for everyone, for many. You see, that sin moment was very powerful. The moment that Eve took that fruit in her hand and she saw it was good for eating and she took a bite of it and then handed it to her husband Adam and he took a bite of it as well, that moment was incredibly powerful in the trajectory of human history because it changed everything. It cursed. It cursed everything. And many have died both physically and spiritually because of that choice that they made. And then that choice that continued to be made by every human that has ever existed since forever. That choice cursed literally everything. But what this passage is telling us, what this passage is pointing us to, is the hope and the truth that what Jesus did on the cross was so much more powerful. And even though all of those people have died and will die both spiritually and physically, what Jesus did meant that so many more will be rescued from themselves. So many more will be rescued from this curse of death. And so many more will be rescued and be able to live in eternity with Jesus himself. If you're sitting in your seat and you're like, Tim, I love like that you're up there and you're passionate about that, but like, dude, I do not believe a thing that you're saying, and I cannot believe that that you that you're going off of this book. I appreciate that, guys. That I know that some of us think that this book is made up. I know that. But let's just take a look at our, our human experience you see that no one is good. You, you see that everyone messes up. Have you heard the term, oh, you're only human? That's born out of the truth that humans are not capable of perfection. Humans are not capable of moving through life without making choices that are not good choices to be made. That speaks of this curse that's found in Scripture. And we know that we need fixing. We know that something's inherently wrong with the way that the world works. We can't help but see that if we just take, I mean, goodness gracious, watch the news with your parents for 20 minutes or don't because it's super depressing. 
The free gift is not like the trespass because the free gift is so much more than the trespass. The free gift is that Jesus Christ abounded for many. So many more will be saved than dead because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Guys, the throne of death has been defeated. The throne of death has been defeated. You see, death sat upon this throne, and it's kind of hard for us to to visualize that because we don't do the whole king and queen thing in this country. We never really have. And there aren't really that many countries that still do the whole king and queen thing. All right, there's like a handful, and they're like, they don't really do anything, right? Like the most monarch you guys ever got exposed to is when the queen passed last year, right? Well, here's the deal. Death was literally in charge of everything. And then when Jesus died, having a human body dying a real death, being put in the grave. They, they buried him. And then he rose again like he went from not being alive to being fully alive. After three days, he defeated death. You see, death had won for three days and then he defeated death. Like he came back from the dead. When you see two fighters boxing and one goes down he's down and when he stays down the guy who knocked him down wins but you see Jesus didn't stay down he got back up and he defeated death the throne of death was defeated death can't win anymore we just have to choose the winner Let's continue reading in Romans chapter 5. Let's go to verse 17 because it really ties this whole thing up. It says in verse 17, For if because of one man's trespass or because Adam ate that fruit, death reigned or death was in charge through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. If so many suffer because of that one man's choice, so many more are going to not suffer because of that other man's choice. You see, Jesus Christ died for us and that was something that he chose to do. Jesus, being fully God and fully man, did not have to be subjected to the things that he was subjected to. At any moment, he could have snapped his fingers and a legion of angels would have interrupted what those Roman soldiers were doing to him in an instant. At any moment, Jesus could have snapped his fingers and been taken off of this earth. At any moment, he could have ended what was happening and gone back to heaven and gone, it's not worth my time. Because frankly, like... We don't have much to offer. But Jesus loved us so much and he knew that the only solution for the death of mankind, for sin of mankind, was to come down to earth and to die for us. 
And because he did that, we now have access to life. And scripture says not only life, but life more abundantly. And not only life and life more abundantly, but life eternal. You see, we, because of sin, are cursed to die a physical death. It is appointed unto man to die once, right? But if we live in Jesus and we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we go to heaven and we experience an eternal life. We experience life eternal. And we have access to this life through faith. We have access to this life through faith. You see, when we're born, we're born into the family of Adam because all humanity came from Adam, right? And, and when Adam and Eve, as imperfect people, they were perfect when they were originally created, but because of sin, they are now imperfect. They created an imperfect child, and then they did it again. And then the first imperfect child and the second imperfect child got into a fight. One ended up dying, and then they created a third imperfect child whose name was Seth, and it, so it went, and it kept going, and it kept going. And here's the reality. Like, if you want to talk logic, let's talk this. Two imperfect things cannot create something that is perfect. And that's why Mary had to birth Jesus without having known a man because two imperfect things cannot create something perfect and Jesus was created perfectly. And because two imperfect things cannot create something perfect, you and I are imperfect. And we have to trust in something that is perfect for us to be able to go to heaven. You see, when we were born, we were born into the family of Adam, imperfect. When you were born, you were born imperfect. There was sin in your heart from the moment you took your first breath. Because your parents are imperfect. My parents were imperfect. Goodness gracious, I love them to death, but they, they are imperfect. I'm imperfect. My wife's imperfect. Our son is imperfect not perfect, flawed from the jump. Even my sweet little two-month, three-month-old baby boy is not perfect because of sin, because we are born into the family of Adam. And here's what's beautiful. You ready? Through faith, if we believe in our heart, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved and we will be born into the family of Jesus. You see, when Jesus died, he created access to a whole new family. And we can go from being born into the family of Adam to being born into the family of Jesus. John chapter three, verses six and seven says that distinctly. It says that which is born of, born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Jesus, this is quoting Jesus. Jesus is speaking to a religious leader at the time who knew everything there was to know about everything regarding spirituality and the Bible and God. He knew everything. And Jesus is saying to him, dude, do the math. Flesh bores flesh. Two fleshes make another flesh and they are all three of them are imperfect. So if you want to access perfection, the only way you can do that is by a family transfer. And the only way you can do that is to be born again. And what he's saying is not like physically fleshly being born again, because that's not going to happen. 
What he's talking about is spiritually born again. Starting your life over spiritually. Newness in your heart. You. You. RVR. You must be born again. The fact of the matter is, is that we were all born imperfect. And Jesus came to die so that there would be payment for sin. Romans says that no one is perfect, no, not one. It goes on to say that the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Jesus is that gift. The way that we access that gift is through faith. And what that means is, is that we have to say out loud, I believe that Jesus is the Lord of my life. And we have to believe in our heart that Jesus came, lived a real life on earth, died a real death on earth, and then rose again on the third day and eventually ascended into heaven where he is sitting, waiting to solve the sin problem once and for all. When we believe that and we confess that with our mouth, we are saved and we are brought into the family of God. We are brought into the family of Jesus. Guys, we are born again. We all must be born again. You must be born again. I don't have it up on the screen, but I think it's super important. You see, all of the end of chapter 5 in Romans, the author of Romans is making this argument as to how important it is for us to accept Jesus. And he's making this argument about how necessary it is for us to accept Jesus. And as he's going through the logical ins and outs of this argument, he, he's, he's working through and he's comparing Jesus to Adam and how Adam messed everything up so royally that like, can you imagine one mistake now affecting everybody in all of humanity for the rest of eternity? That's a mess up. Like that takes messing up on your math test to a whole new level. One, one sin ruined everything for everyone and it caused Jesus to have to die. So he's making this argument. He was like, hey, Adam messed up really big. And then he's saying, but Jesus overcame that so much greater. And then he kind of wraps it up, verses 18 through 21, and he says, therefore is one trespasser, therefore is one sin led to condemnation or cursing for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Every single one of you in this room has access to this. This takes faith. What's really cool, Hebrews has a definition for faith that I hold dear to my heart because in moments of doubt, I'm able to lean back on that. And it says that faith is the hope of things not seen. A number of years ago, me and my wife took a trip to Paris and then London, we were visiting with a missionary and we wanted to sightsee and, you know, I've never seen London before. Heck, I've never seen Paris before. Like, yeah, I've seen the photos, but like, I've never seen it. 
But you know what? When I bought that ticket and I got on that airplane in that tiny, tiny little airplane seat, I knew in my heart beyond a shadow of a doubt that when I landed, I was going to be in Paris and I was going to see the Eiffel Tower and I was going to eat lots of bread, right? I knew that. That's what faith is. We have not witnessed God in person face to face. We might not have experienced his goodness and his fullness yet, but we can believe, we can have hope in the things that are not seen. We can have faith that he literally did die for us. And you know what? Just like I had enough proof to have confidence to book that ticket to Paris, we can have proof in the things that we see around us. Like I've seen lives change. I've seen students that were on a pathway to destruction accept Christ and have their lives turned around. I have a kid that used to be in my youth group, right? That kid was a dingus. I loved him to death, but oh my goodness, Tino was not the most intelligent person in the room when it came to life choices. And I have no problem telling him I just told you all that tonight. You know what? Two nights ago, he accepted his first full-time youth pastor position because the Lord changed his heart. I'm getting goosebumps telling you guys about this. He went from not even wanting to pray to, to like teaching people how to pray. You all have access to this. All you have to do is believe. And if you want to believe, you know what? I guarantee you that your leader and your counselor would love to have a conversation with you about that tonight. In fact, I think it would be the highlight of their summer. So my question to you is this. Will you believe? Will you take that step of faith? Will you believe in things not seen? Will you have hope in things not seen? Will you believe that Jesus did die for your sins so that you might know eternal life? Will you be born again into the family of Jesus, leaving the family of Adam and its curses behind? Will you? Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are and how much you love us. Lord, I, 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 I pray and I beg of you, Lord, that you would begin to work on hearts and and maybe you have been, God, throughout this entire service this evening. God, I pray that you would not let up and that you would continue to work on hearts as the evening progresses. God, I pray that you would give us a fun rest of our week at camp. God, I pray that you would give us an incredible block party. We all get to have fun. God, keep us safe. But God, I pray that you would help us have these real poignant conversations with our leaders and our counselors. Lord, we trust in you for all that we have. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for your attention, guys. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.